Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very, very senior leader from the social sector, a former colleague from ITC, Jayamala Subramaniam. Mala, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Uh, Mala is the CEO of Argayam, a foundation based focused on making sustainable water available to all. She's earlier worked with multinationals in India and overseas. And as I, and I said, she was a former colleague in ITC. She's also a strategy consultant and coach. So Jamala, you had a, an amazingly diverse uh, range of experiences in your life so far. But today, let's talk about uh, your passion for water and Argeya. Tell me a little bit about this venture and why did you get drawn to work in this space? Sure, sure. Um, it's a long story. I'll try to keep it short. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, our game, as you said, is about building equitable and sustainable water security in India. Mm-hmm. Um, when it, when I came in here, it was a totally unfamiliar ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Earlier, you know, I was just a passive recipient of services, uh, mm-hmm. like so many other people, mm-hmm. and water was one of them. Uh, but just the attraction of diving into it uh, to understand new actors, to mm-hmm. understand incentives, which was mm-hmm. important for me, and, and sort of engage with complex societal challenges, Mm. applying all of what I'd picked up over the years through education and experience Mm. seemed like a big draw. Mm. Um, But in retrospect, I must say that uh, it was a lot of naivety, Mm -hmm. uh, not knowing anything about the sector and some bit of courage and conviction that this is worth trying. Okay. Okay. And what would you say are some of the uh, spectrum issues, some of the water issues that are being faced in India? Right. So, um, as you know, the only renewable source that we have for water is the rains, right? It's the annual monsoon rains. And I don't know if it's news, but certainly it was news to me when I first heard that on an average, India gets most of its rain in, in 100 hours. Wow. Right. So, so, so a few days to a few weeks of rain is what is uh, renewing us every year. And we need to find ways in which we store it for the rest of the year. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it falls in some places, but it's required in all places. So really matching the spatial and temporal demand and supply is a huge challenge. Right. And just to put things in perspective, since you're from Delhi, um, Delhi received 95 percent of its southwest monsoon rainfall in 99 hours. So you can imagine um, that is a problem in that it causes disasters of Mm -hmm. flooding, but Mm -hmm. it also creates uh, an opportunity to how do you manifest the storage of it in ways Mm -hmm. that it lasts for a longer time, Mm -hmm. right? So so the next layer of understanding water security is really sort of parsing the quantity aspect and Mm -hmm. seeing where do you store it. Mm-hmm. You, you have the option of storing it overground in the form of dams, which are large man-made structures. Mm-hmm. But you also have the option of storing it underground in mm-hmm. naturally occurring spaces that we call aquifers, mm-hmm. which are more equitable. You don't have to pay for it. And they also do not cause evaporation, right? So it's very economical for a country like India to think mm-hmm. of storing underground. Mm-hmm. So that's one aspect of quantity. But over the years, because of over-abstraction, we also have quality 
issues as you might have engaged uh, you know yourself um, there are bacteriological issues there are chemical contamination issues of arsenic fluoride and increasingly uranium and a lot of these are odorless and tasteless so people don't even know you're drinking contaminated water so how do you test find out and then intervene right so that's another aspect of water security and for a lot of us urbanites we may not see this but access is a huge problem and 20 percent of rural India travels anything between five to 20 kilometers a day to fetch water. Mm -hmm. So really, so quantity, quality, access, right? So three important areas of focus. Mm -hmm. And uh, water security, therefore, is at the intersection of health and livelihoods. Right. So, so very important to deal with that. Right. And the next layer is then seeing, uh, you know, there are competing users and uses. It's a zero-sum game. The water mm -hmm. I get is the water you don't get, mm -hmm. right? So who gets to decide how much uh, of water is given to whom. So there's rural, urban, agri-industry. Um, so then equitable, sustainable distribution of water. And to add to everything, climate change is accelerating all this insecurity, mm -hmm. right? At this point in time, you could say 600 million people in India are vulnerable to some form of insecurity. Right. So um, while there are solutions getting deployed, we need to crank up the speed. Mm -hmm. Right. And and like we tell ourselves, uh, we are not chasing scale. Scale is chasing us. Mm -hmm. If we continue with current models, we'll take 30,000 years to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. So really, status quo is not an option. Mm -hmm. That's where we are. Mm -hmm. And uh, which are some of the areas that you are focusing on? So we as RGM decided to focus in rural on in groundwater. Mm. Like I said, groundwater, India is a groundwater economy. We okay. draw more groundwater than USA and China combined. 80% wow. of our water security is dependent on us having good groundwater. Mm. Right. But the problem is groundwater is that it's invisible. And so um, for the last 40, 50 years, we've behaved as if it's infinite. Mm. But it's not. I mean, just keep digging deeper and deeper is what has got us into this trouble. So our work has been in seeing if we make this invisible resource visible, mm. as in, you know, understand how much water is there and make that available for people to engage with. Does it change behaviors mm. in a more responsible way? And we find that that's possible. You know, in our olden days, uh, at least for me, I grew up in Chennai and we had an open well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Chennai always had water issues, right? So mm -hmm. I remember going to the water at the well and looking at the level of the water well mm -hmm. in the well and then deciding what you do that day, how much water do you consume? Mm -hmm. So making water visible speaks to you in ways in which external forces cannot. Mm -hmm. So that is our work in seeing how do we make this groundwater visible mm -hmm. in ways that communities can engage Correct. and understand the science of it because there yeah. is a science but also to then say, what is your supply side and how do you keep your demand within the supply side, mm -hmm. right? And uh, yeah. No, no, go ahead, go ahead, please. And, and very interesting solutions have, have come about, right? So mm -hmm. aquifers, like I said, aquifers is a very equitable resource. Mm -hmm. uh, it is both for the most vulnerable, that is the only resource. Mm -hmm. For us, we can get water from 100 kilometers away. Okay. I mean, Bangalore gets water from Kaveri. It, it, it kind of, uh, you know, we, we push it up 
a gradient and we are willing to pay for the energy that's embedded there mm. but you know that's not available to everybody right so how do you then create possibilities that groundwater is again sort of uh, recharge and mm. we've seen this work that when you provide this knowledge to communities mm. when you allow them the agency to engage in their local resources mm. uh, from solutions from deepening of talabs constructing new and uh, reclaiming abandoned dug wells mm. um, rooftop rainwater harvesting mm. um, and and you know just pooling capital resources and making boreholes work for as a collective rather than mm. individuals putting uh, you know uh, boreholes mm. these have been very successful solutions across india that we have seen work amazing you know and you just mentioned that most of india gets our rainfall within 100 hours now the quantity uh, to recharge in 100 hours must be huge yes. and therefore managing that large quantity Yes. Is a, is a, it must be a quite an insurmountable challenge. Absolutely, absolutely. But I mean, but but if you think about it, this is this is not new. It's always mm. been the case, right? Mm. So there is a traditional body of managing water that we simply have lost, uh, you know, a uh, connect with. Mm. And, and so I think while we're saying advancement is important, technology is important, and nobody mm. is denying that, mm. I think just going back to seeing how was it managed before, right. a system of channels and, 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 you know, uh, uh, and ponds that existed, how do you reclaim that and make that work for us in combination with the newer advanced technologies that I'm sure is required for our growing population, mm. right? So it's a combination uh, effect that we need to see mm. just because we have the new we can't abandon the old i think that's really what we're saying well said well said the uh, my next question is that you know would you say policy is an obstacle for better water management in india so groundwater is loosely regulated, mm. right? Um, and we believe that this lack of regulation has created a crisis in mm. that it is unsustainably being over-extracted. Okay. Uh, there are perverse incentives in the form of agricultural and energy subsidies that create a mismatch. Mm. But over the years in our own work, because it's a white space, Mm. We have seen that there's a huge opportunity to advocate for better policies. Okay. What's managing groundwater as a common pool resource, mm. right? as a collective good. And there are many government programs that are now focusing mm. on community-led water management processes. Okay. But where we are seeing this model not really impact at scale is that the execution and conversion of intent mm. at scale is really an issue. Because and the core problem we uh, as Argyam and, and, and me personally uh, feel is that if you don't allow for public funds, because at scale you need public funds to move, mm -hmm. if you don't allow that to move with, with accountability and confidence mm -hmm. to communities, because now you're saying the distributed ownership, but mm -hmm. distributed public fund management is a little bit of a question mark. So unless we can crack that. Mm. I feel that this kind of resolution is not likely to happen. And therefore, these policies will remain on paper. Oh, wow. Um, so. wow. You know, before I ask you the next question, I should have asked you this earlier. What does RGM mean? RGM means offering. Oh, okay. It's, it's an offering. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, you're also developing uh, uh, a societal platform for water. Yes. Uh, Tell me about what you're doing here and what does the, what is the meaning of a societal platform? Yeah, so, so really a societal platform is how do you get uh, multiple actors mm -hmm. to come on one platform and transact 
okay. with ease. Mm-hmm. And in, in you know, we've seen commercial platforms like Amazon, which create mm-hmm. a marketplace. But mm-hmm. a societal platform is where you kind of share and give more mm-hmm. than lock in uh, value, right? You mm-hmm. share value. I think that's right. the, the difference at a top mm-hmm. level. And it's borrowed from a lot of work uh, that the Aadhaar and the other societal platforms are mm-hmm. doing um, in India. Mm-hmm. And, and so... Uh, and how it kind of emanated and came about is that we saw that a lot of our work in community-led management was working in small pilots, mm. but those required a lot of oversight. Mm. So, 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 and 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 that was when we tried to expand it without the oversight, the quality of outcomes was not there, mm. right? So we learned a very very sharp lesson that there's a difference between scaling what works and working at scale. Mm-hmm. I know it, it sounds cliché. Yeah. But, but, you know, it is really that at mm. scale, there are many different forces that you don't, you know, you cannot control. Mm. So how do you account for that and still achieve, uh, you know, results? Mm. So, and, 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 and at a very top level, you have civil society actors, you have private actors, and you have state actors, and all of them are doing things, right? Mm-hmm. But they need to do things together so that the power of collaboration can be right. seen. Right, the sum of parts is more than the whole. Mm. And as as we as we all know, and we keep articulating it in different ways, they all have deficits. They're mm. individual deficits, right? Mm. Civil society, for instance, has a scale deficit. It tends to work in small, uh, you know pilots. Mm. Private actors have a trust deficit Correct. Uh, and state actors have an execution deficit. Mm. So we looked at it and said, how do you use digital in the societal platform frame and empower them all so these deficits can get closed? Amazing. And, and whatever they're doing, they can do more of. Mm. Right. And with internet and smartphone penetration, we felt it's possible to actually think of some very specific solutions that can mm. allow for this to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what we did in the last two to three years. We've been working on looking at some core friction points between these actors mm-hmm. and, and seeing uh, what are some problems worth solving that remove these frictions. Mm-hmm. And the, the area we've picked up, and there are many areas one could pick up, mm-hmm. but we've picked up the area of generating trusted data at scale. Okay. And the reason I say that is because you will probably hear lots of claims and lots of different data points. Much of it will be disputed by people who are not generating those data points, mm-hmm. right? So we felt like as a, as a whole, we can't make progress if a lot of the time we are reconciling each other's claims. Correct. Right? Correct. So is there a way that we can generate and capture data at the point that it is actually happening, at mm-hmm. the point of interaction, as we call it, mm-hmm. using digital? so that it has traceability okay so that you can see the chain of custody mm. so that the person generating it is able to give it to others and others trust it amazing right yeah. so digitally wiring up people who are doing the action on water mm-hmm. and their interactions amazing that is what we are doing that's that's quite incredible but you know i have not heard of a social sector uh, you know, platform doing such a, a diverse range of activities and bringing trust. But for my viewers and listeners, can you give an example of the kind of data that could result in uh, a dissonance in the system? Yes. So, for instance, if I tell you that my water in my area has arsenic, okay, right? The question you're going to ask is, what what device did you use to measure it? What is the standard against which you are saying that you have arsenic? Maybe it's within acceptable standards. Mm. Maybe your device is not calibrated. Mm. 
right? Um, and there could be n. And when did you actually measure it? Because uh, water is a runtime problem. It could have arsenic in the morning, not have arsenic in the yeah. evening because it suddenly rained and got diluted. Mm. So there are efforts, and they could say, did you measure it or did you sit at home and generate that data? Mm. How do I know you actually went and measured it? Mm. Right. And so this is just an example and blow it up with so many other attributes, mm. right from quantity to quality, ever so many claims are made. Mm. And so in a, in a country like India, which is a very, we have a very granular typology. Mm. What is true in my house is probably not true two kilometers from here. Right. Because we are very local aquifers, as we call it, mm. in the south and west. Mm. So if you have a data point in a district, you cannot use that to say this is the case across the district. Mm. And for us to create very trusted data points by the government in the same way, granularly is expensive. Mm. So we're saying, can we kind of take all of this away and see what is a more efficient way to generate trusted data and distribute this? Amazing. So that many people are generating it, but many people are able to believe that. Mm. Fascinating. So my next question to you is given all the challenges that we, uh, that we have spoken about, that you've explained to all of us, are we really moving towards some kind of water security or what does the future look like? I mean, it's often said the next war will be for water. I, I would not say that. I mean, I've heard that and I don't subscribe to that. That's a very personal point of view. Um, I think it's it's good for sensationalizing it and bringing people together, maybe, um, but not beyond that, in my opinion. Um, I, we have we should have hope. Uh, otherwise, why are we here? Mm. Um, but certainly there is definitely a call for more urgent action and mm. action of a different kind. It is true that if we do not equip ourselves, broadcasters are predicting that India will be officially water scarce in a few years, mm. right? Um, annual water resources will fall below the minimum requirement of 1,000 cubic meters per person per year. That is the official declaration. But uh, to de-risk, de we have to innovate. And that's, you know, one of the things we're doing is existing models, especially from the developed world, will not work for us, mm. right? We are too complex, too diverse. So we have to look at what will work for us, mm. right? And so there's a, the, I believe there's a, there's a need to change mindsets. Mm -hmm. There is a need to change from a supply side, uh, you know, outlook to a demand side outlook. We have to improve water use efficiency. I feel there's, we are leaving a lot on the table there. Um, mm. We have to look at water, not just as service delivery, mm. uh, that if I open the tab, I get water, but more of an equitable uh, development agenda. Mm. Um, this change is very difficult. And we keep telling ourselves just because the answer is difficult doesn't mean you change the question paper. Correct. Question paper is given. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, just to sort of keep ourselves going and saying we have a lot of sayings that we keep telling ourselves there's a lot of action but the pace is uneven mm. so we tell ourselves this is like watching a kung fu movie in slow motion wow. right um yeah but ultimately i believe distributing the ability to solve is the only way mm. uh, very few people are solving the problem that belongs to very many people mm. and uh, the way for us is to continue to innovate to unscarce if there is such a word um, uh, or decentralize democratize distribute what is scarce today which is knowledge which is funds which is data and if we can do that, I believe we will see scale happen efficiently. Um, and on the urban side, the big, big elephant in the room is how do we manage our wastewater better? Mm. Because a lot of our wastewater is untreated. True. So investing in that and reclaiming the wastewater with the right design and the right funding is an absolute necessity. Uh, so in a nutshell, I would say less antibiotic treatment and more vitamin treatment is required. <laughs> well said, well said. You know, no quick solutions. 
more uh, long-term solutions for better health. So, uh, one more question relating to climate change. You know, the whole world's talking climate change. Every global leader talks climate change. How are you seeing the impact of climate change on resilience of water? I, I think it's a huge problem. And I, and I believe that this is exactly so. And you, as you can see, you, every day we hear of drought and floods alternately from the same place. Correct. Right. And, and, and so um, and so what this means is change is happening much more rapidly than we we had ever seen before and much more rapidly than we can fathom. Mm. Right. So uh, the ability for us to understand what is the change. Uh, is is most is best left to people who are actual stakeholders in that change mm. right what is happening in delhi may not affect me as much yeah. but what is happening in bangalore will affect me more than it affects you right mm. so i need to know what's need what's needed for me to deal with what's happening in bangalore mm. so, mm. so so therefore we believe the current paradigm of supply side that's why mm. i said supply mm. side mm. where somebody in the state capital or the country capital sits and is deciding and designing a program and mm. then bringing it back to people that the time lag for for the problem and solution is too too long mm. so i feel therefore pushing it much more to people to see how they can access when they want mm. the required knowledge so removing the frictions right uh, for and creating liquidity for knowledge to go mm. for them to access peers who have solved for this in some ways mm. for them to access public funding in mm. ways that they can actually control mm. i feel no one knows all the answers mm. but if you can create pathways for them to access those answers i think that to me like like we say a lot of people are building cars but who's mm. building the road correct so can we build the road so that you can run any form of car well said. So one more question that is often asked uh, and debated is that there is so much water available in our oceans. Uh, have we been able to find a sustainable or an economic way to get uh, drinking water out of that? No, I think uh, it has not uh, been. Um, it's There's still a lot of research that needs to be done on that. In small pilots, there are solutions. Some countries that can afford it are doing it, but it's certainly not a scalable, affordable solution yet. For us. And certainly not for India, which is... Not for India, not for India. Wonderful. Well, uh, I've got one more question. Uh, and this is for the many, many viewers and listeners who will really love our conversation on water. What would you say are three key takeaways that you would like our viewers and listeners to take away from this conversation on the subject of water that you're so passionate about? Yeah. So I, I mean, I, the, I, I'm less about point solutions and more, like I said, about the infra and the thinking. So That's I would say the most important thing for me is if you want scale to happen, mm -hmm. then uh, it's very humbling and, uh, you know, it's very humbling to know that success means when you become irrelevant. Mm -hmm. For me, I mean, if we create a dependency on us to solve somebody else's problem, then that is not scalable, right? right? So that's a big life lesson for me, mm -hmm. that success actually means when you can get out of, get out of your own way. Mm -hmm. And so how do you do that? Because it's very contra to right. other understanding of success, right? Absolutely. That's one big lesson that, you know, and that's how scale happens in many, many of the, you know, mm. these kind of population level problems. Correct. Correct. Um, the second thing for me is collaboration. We heard that the power of many collaboration, etc. Mm. But really what I learned is the power of investing in building win-win partnerships. Mm. If you're going into a partnership saying, I'll take more than I give, it is mm. bound to fail. 
right? And and that's something I really learned, uh, you know, through this uh, whole work with this. You know, you yeah. cannot say this is that sector. They have this problem. Everybody has problems. Everybody has strengths. We really have to learn to work with each mm. other. So mm. that how do you build those very sustainable partnerships? Mm. And for me, for me coming from outside of the sector, there there's a huge respect for public service, right? Perfect. Government servants. I I cannot begin to tell you how I am in awe of what they do, right? Mm. I mean, they have so many balls thrown at them. Just the fact that they're able to stay on top of some of them and do mm. make progress, I think huge respect. And, and also learning that where you stand depends on where you sit. Correct. A lot of this you must have heard, but it's so true in the sector because every day it manifests itself mm. in the trade-offs you have to make with both your, both your time and money, mm. right? Learning to process opposing viewpoints mm. and yet developing your own viewpoint and acting with purpose. I think these are big, big takeaways. For amazing, me. amazing. You know, if you take more than you give, you're bound to fail. What a powerful message that you have given to all of us. On that note, Mala, thank you so much for speaking to me. Thank you for talking to me about water, about Argayam and the amazing work that you and your colleagues are doing in this space. For me, I mean, I think this is one of the few episodes where I have learned so many new things from you. Thank you again for speaking to me and good luck in everything that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. It's been wonderful. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called you.